Hi, we are Angie and Annalie, and this is Brain Basement, a podcast where two friends who used to do yoga together in a basement now chat about chaos and wellness. As moms, we understand chaos. As expats, we get what that chaos looks like when you take it overseas. From Manila to San Jose, we share stories of living abroad and explore topics around mental and emotional well-being. This podcast is for expat moms who want to find wellness amidst the chaos of everyday life. Welcome to Brain Basement. We're so glad you're here. All right, welcome back to Brain Basement. Today we have Angie Collins with us. Angie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the amazing work that you're doing? Sure. Hi, guys. I am Angie. I'm a parent coach um, and founder of Empowered Parents Empowering Daughters. And I work with moms who are raising girls and help them to become more organized, more productive, and have better connections with their daughters by creating systems, establishing routines, and helping them to understand and implement intentions in their household to do so. Okay, that's perfect. I'm so glad. I thought of how can I introduce you? And I was thinking like, I don't really understand exactly how this all works, but you explained it perfectly. Oh Um, no, I think I better (laughs) rethink my... (laughs) But no, that was such a clear explanation. And what a unique um, connection to recognize the... That... The relationships are also impacted by what's going on around us. Of course, that makes sense, but we don't think about it this way. Like I think of my relationship with my daughter or my kids or like that frustration as being in kind of this separate bubble that has nothing to do with what's going on in my house and the, the mess that I'm in the middle of or trying to set up a house that I'm in transition or a house that doesn't feel like home, all of those things that we kind of experience in a foreign service life and a lot of temporary situations. Of course, that's all having an impact on one another, but we don't always look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, Angie, I had this idea today of like, what comes first? The organization around us is it like what comes first the bookshelves or the clutter in our mind so do you have any thoughts on that if the if the shelves are sorted does that affect the mind or if the mind is sorted does that affect the bookshelves well first of all I'm glad you mentioned the mind and how that affects us and that sort of idea of mind clutter Um, But interestingly, the first thing we think about, and I think this is probably due to the wonderful Netflix shows like Home Edit, where you're like color coding your bookshelves and Marie Kondo, where you use the Colmarie method to organize. And as a parent coach, how I developed this system or how I came about determining that this was important for parents is we take a look at the home and where their sort of challenging parts are throughout their day. And I noticed that parents were coming to me and saying, I just wanna stop yelling. 
And a lot of times parents want the quick tip, right? How can I stop yelling? And they want boom, boom, boom. You can do the following three things and this will help you to stop yelling. Um, and so what we notice is there are certain parts of the day that parents are feeling a bit more challenged. They're yelling at their child and they're feeling more tense. So we started to sort of pick apart their day. And there's a couple of times when it's usual, it's common in, in a lot of parents, a lot of family situations. One, for example, is that morning time when you wake up the kids, you're on the way out the door, you know, you got to feed them breakfast, make sure they have their books for school, make sure nowadays if they're going back to school, make sure they have their laptops, their chargers, their phones. And then if they have, for some of us, if they have sports after school, you know, get your sneakers, your gym bag, and make sure you have this all planned. And then I'm on my way out the door as well. I need to go to school or I need to drop you off, come back, and I need to work at home and I'm teleworking. So there's so much going on. And trying to sort of focus back in on what is your family doing? Why are you yelling? And a lot of times what I've noticed and what the parents themselves have noticed, like during that morning routine, what kind of system then, Angie, can we put in place that helps us to create some uh, an environment that's conducive to the family being together and that sort of chaos is lessened? But then your so your physical space has to be organized to allow for that. You got to know where the shoes are. You got to know where the computer is. But then you also need to have a routine that sets your day, right? So how are you starting your day? And what are you doing? What time are you having breakfast? What's the routine that's in place? But then what I noticed, Angie, is that you can have this great structure in place, right? You can have this wonderful routine in place. But then if you're not setting aside time or actual intention to connect with your child, then that's all it is. It's just structure and organization. So it could look pretty <laughs> and your time could flow and you can get out the door. But then that connection is missing. And so you're not really getting that. You're not really connecting with your child. So the yelling, the chaos in your mind is still there and your relationship isn't strong. Uh -huh. And so those three components really work together. So it's hard to say what should come first, the organizing of the books or the setting of a routine at night, what should come first? Because as a coach, it really depends on what the family's challenges are and where those sort of pain points are falling. But we do work together to understand what systems, routines, and intentions are already in place and how can we strengthen each one of those that they work together sort of in a holistic way. That's so, okay, this, this makes so much sense to me. And I, it, as you were saying that, I was thinking, in my mind, it's kind of like one or the other. I think I'm thinking I can have connection in the morning or we can be on time. It's like, I don't have space to consider that both could happen. It's, it's like, I can decide in that moment, maybe when someone is melting down or, you know, we, we are scrambling and we can't find the computer that either we're going to be on time and I'm going to yell and say, forget it. You're leaving without your computer today. You know, this is the consequence go, or I can just chill out and say like, okay, let's just take a moment. And then we're going to be late. And it's like one or the other. And I, I'm not even thinking in terms of, I could just set a pattern for connection and being on time. They're not necessarily, a zero-sum game that I have to choose one or the other. Right. And one of those great ways of determining, like, how am I going to organize if we're talking about the morning 
morning sort of session part of the day. How am I going to organize my space so that it helps me to do that, you know, get out the door on time so I can do my work, my kids can go to school on time with all the supplies that they need. And then how am I going to be set a set a routine that really facilitates that kind of environment and so things are set up. But a lovely way to do this and go about understanding what is needed in terms of organization and in terms of routine. And then of course, in terms of that intention is just to sit down with your kids and look at the day. Like you need this, this, and this to get out the door. Mommy needs this, this, and this to get out the door. But we wanna do this together and figure out a way that says we're ready for the day, we're ready to get started. And what? let's look at what you need, let's look at what mom needs and we can work together to get that done. That's so smart. Um, how often do you have to do this? So I also have this idea in my mind, which I don't think is true, but somehow it's because we've lived the foreign service life for so many years and we're moving all the time. I have this picture in my mind that if we lived in one house, everyone would always know, you know, where the shoes are and where the bathing suits are. And they would just know that automatically. And so we wouldn't have this constant shuffle of where do we keep the bathing suits in this house and where do we keep the you know sunblock and where does the where does that where are the winter gloves those kinds of things do you recommend like reassessing with your kids each time you move how often do you do this exactly but I think Angie you hit it right there because we're foreign service as well we've been doing this for 17 years our oldest are 16 year old twins youngest is 14 year old daughter and so this pattern of moving constantly, I sort of, I sort of think maybe that's what highlights the fact that I found myself needing that organization, right? Because you're moving into a new house, what's going on? And I do recommend starting it over when you, knew, when you move to your new post uh -huh. and looking at what do we need? How is this house different? How can we set up systems? How can we set up routines that really facilitate what we want to get done in our family? And so, yeah, you're going to reassess. And even if you were you know, living in one house for a good 18, 20 years, you still want to reassess and make sure that what you've implemented, what you've created is still working the best way that it can for your family. Yeah, of course, that makes sense to me that, and because our kids are going through different stages and we're changing jobs and our life is changing that we, we should be reassessing even if we're in the same house, but somehow I just, have that like the reason that our life is chaotic is because we move and if we lived in a house I would definitely have enough time and organization to get everything really organized which is probably not true <laughs> but right and one thing that if there is a family that has you know constantly moving and then setting up that routine or setting up your space what I like to do is it's sort of like it's like habit stacking. So mm -hmm. you look at one thing that you're doing that's working and then you create a system that works in conjunction with that system or that routine that you've set in place. Mm -hmm. And you see what works and you see step-by-step step how it helps your family really to be connected and to get, you know, get started in your day and get your day going in a strong manner. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the one I wouldn't say problem, but the challenge that parents often have is you hear this great thing like, okay, if I set up a routine, my day is going to work better, right? And so you Google whatever you need to Google and you're like, I'm going to do the top five things because I just Googled something and it says the top CEOs do the following five things in the morning with their own children. Right. So I'm going to do that same thing. 
And like with anything else, you have to find something that works for you. And we also are part of a system or part of a society or part of a generation that thinks we need to have the answers quickly. Uh-huh. And so I Google it, I see what people are doing, and now I'm going to implement it all. And then of course, you're going to find failure because that's not you. That's not your family. They don't have the same challenges that you have. They don't have the same needs that you have. So you really need to take it step by step. Mm-hmm. Find one tiny thing that's working in the morning and then add to that slowly. And that one tiny thing, and as you're adding, might be, I'm going to do this one thing every morning for two weeks mm-hmm. or until it feels like this is part of us, or I'm going to do it for three weeks. And then what else do we need to add on to this to make sure that our day is running smoothly? Don't try to take everything on at once um, in any system, but especially when you find yourself as a, fem- a member of the foreign service, when you're moving from house to house, you know, you could be in a European post with this tiny apartment, then you're moving to an Africa post with this large, massive place and things just don't work the same. And you don't have the same needs. You don't have the same challenges from city to city. And so really take a deep dive inside what your day looks like and see what tiny thing you can start and then add on from there. Okay. That's good to know. And can you like throw things out? Do you try things for two weeks and just say, this isn't working and taking this off my list? Sure. And, and it, there's a, I mean, it's a process, right? So you might not need it for right now, but really have that conversation with your family or have that conversation with yourself. And the one other thing that's super hard for us as foreign service members is that because we move from post to post, right? We're going from a different sized house, different configuration, more wall space, less wall space. So really consider what's important to you. But that mind clutter that you talked about earlier and freeing up your mind really is powerful. And it's it's unbelievable how much stuff that you can't see is still affecting you, could still Mm -hmm. be affecting you. And so you might not need certain things, but you know that it's in a certain place And that's always sort of constantly on your mind. Like, what am I going to do with that? What is my other post going to be? So really take a deep dive inside yourself and your your things and understand how it works with you and understand what kind of effect it has on your own well-being and in that sort of concept of having mind clutter. And it's going to be different from person to person. Some people are completely fine with having more stuff. And some people will find themselves like, I'm not comfortable with having this stuff because I'm constantly, constantly thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Um, Okay. Angie, just to shift a little bit and take this into a different direction. And because I'm curious and it's fun to have that personal um, vision, are you a naturally organized person? Have you always been naturally organized and drawn to this? I am a complete net. If it's natural, I'm a complete slob. (laughs) I am a complete clutter. I am all this stuff. But what happened is I noticed what it, what effect it has on me. Uh And so it has to be an intentional act of this is what the clutter does to me. This is what disorganization does to me. And so what do I want out of, out of life really, right? Like, what do I want? And what is this doing to my own mind? And so it's an actual intention to really get rid of things or to organize things or to put things in a certain way. And I can walk into a room and I have it organized a certain way. And I realize that there's one particular thing that's really getting on me. And I have to, I have to clean it up. I have to organize it. I have to move it around. 
And so it's constantly shifting. And I think that's also why, you know, me being part of the foreign service, me being some, someone who's naturally slobbish and, <laughs> you know, cluttered and things. And so it really is, I guess, brought attention to the effect that it has on your own well-being. And I'm glad I'm able to share that with parents in sort of an honest and open way, right? Because yeah. there are lots of people who are naturally organized, yes. things come very easily to them. But I feel like it's kind of like those, um, you know, my daughter's had a math teacher last year or two years ago, and she opens the class with saying, um, she talked about how her own struggle with math had been throughout high school and her teachers um, actually telling her that she's, you know, there's no way you're ever going to amount to much in the mathematical department. And she says, she told the kids, because I understand the process, because I understand what that means, I can pick apart things and I know how to pull things together in math. And I can understand when you struggle with math because I was there. Mm -hmm. And so I love working with parents who are there, right? You're like, I'm not an organized person, Angie. It's like, you don't have to be, but let's take a look at how it's affecting you. Because just because you're not an organized person and you're a natural slob, doesn't mean that that's been okay with you. It just means that the process isn't coming naturally to you. But let's take a look to see if we put that, if we implement that process, if it would have an effect on you. And most of the times it does. And it has an effect on their relationships with their kids, their other relationships, even with friends. Because once you organize your home and you've decluttered or, and you have things in place, then your mind is free to think about other things. Your body is free to do other things. And so it's important to understand how we sort of, how that's all sort of connected and our relationships are depend on, on certain things that we're not really necessarily thinking about. Right. It's so true. I also, when I was preparing for us to talk today, I had this idea of how, how our mind is affected by, by what's going on around us and, you know, how organized our house is. So I would define myself as not organized, And I would, um, I think of my house as being usually a little bit more cluttered than a lot of homes I visit and, you know, other friends I see and kind of peers and, and I don't mind if there's, you know, if the beds aren't made, we don't have that, uh, pattern in our house and that kind of stuff, but there are, I definitely do have systems in place that I know where things are and I know where kind of papers are in the stack. So it might look cluttered, but it's it's enough that I understand it. And when those systems are out of place, it really does impact me. So it's not just having like the perfect, every everything looks really curated, you know, beautiful home all the time. But for me, it's, things can look kind of messy and I'm okay with that. I'm all right with leaving dishes in the sink when I go to sleep. And as long as I know where things are, when one of the things that I think I know where it is gets moved around that it does really (laughs) throw me for a spin. Right. But I'm so glad you also said that things are, don't look sort of curated in your house because that's a misconception as well on, I suppose, sort of on my part that being organized doesn't necessarily, and no one, I don't want you to find some, a way to sort of make your home look like a Netflix, (laughs) 
you know, organizing documentary or something that's done by a professional organizer, because that's not going to work for you. So organizing means finding a system that works for you. And for some people, it might look like a cluttered desk, for example, right? You have stacks of paper everywhere. So for someone coming in, looking at your desk, they might say, you know, you call yourself, you think you know where things are, you call yourself an organized person, but in your mind it is. So organization is some means that you've put systems in place that work for you and systems in place that work for your family. And so if that means your beds aren't made, if that means you have stacks of paper on your desk, whatever that means for you, it's going to look different. And that's the sort of the lovely part of coaching is that you really look at what works for you, not what works for Google, not, not, not on Google, not what works for the, you know, the top CEOs of the world, not what look works for Marie Kondo in her world, but really how that system and how those routines look and work for you. And so it really is the sort of individualized, it doesn't matter what other people are thinking, it matters how it's working for you as the, as the parent in it and within you as your family. Oh, this is good for me to hear, Angie. This is kind of the first time I'm considering myself, like maybe I am organized in my own way. I have definitely thought for 44 years, I have claimed to be a disorganized person, but I, I get things done, you know, like our, our family works in a way that I, I don't feel like I have to change too much. (laughs) I don't know if I should say that or not. Maybe I do, but um, I am going to start thinking of myself as being a little bit more organized. I do have 17 different notebooks all over the place, but I definitely know that the orange composition notebook, I know what that one's for. And the blue composition notebook has this. My daughter just the other day was saying like, why are all these notebooks written and you have so many notebooks everywhere? Um <laughs> So maybe thinking of it more as just having systems that work for me instead of my my picture of what organization should look like where everything is neat all the time and everything looks beautiful. Exactly, exactly. But you touched upon something else that I wanted to mention, and that is the idea that um, you said you're sort of letting go and starting maybe perhaps thinking of yourself as, yeah, you are an organized person. The other thing I wanted to mention is this idea of, um, it sort of sounds like it's different from what we're talking about, but it really is the same. It's this idea of self-care and the idea of how, what kind of self-talk we're doing. And if you're walking around your house and things are working, but you're thinking, my house doesn't look like a curated home. My house doesn't look like Marie Kondo's suggestions would lead me to believe it should look like. And so this idea that you're not an organized person creates that mind clutter as well. And that self-talk could be bringing you down as well. So when I say to sort of live your life with intentions and understand who you are and what you need, also sort of frees up our minds so that our self-care, meaning our self-talk changes. Mm -hmm. And that in itself can free up our minds and allow us to have more peace throughout our day. Just sort of this acceptance of, this is how I am. And this is what's working for me. Uh And so you're sort of letting go of any outside judgment that you think would be coming your way. And you're letting go of that self-judgment that you've been doing for, for 42 years, right? 44 years. (laughs) Are we supposed to say our age on this? (laughs) I'll take 
42. That works. <laughs> um, I even had a, a idea of that, like organizing something is sort of like when I journal, okay, I don't know if I'm saying this clearly. So when I just do kind of a brain dump journal where I'm writing down everything that I'm thinking, it's sort of like taking out the junk drawer and pouring out the contents and looking at all of it. And I don't necessarily organize the junk drawer, but I can see what's in there. And when I'm journaling, I that's where I get those insights into what am I thinking, right? Am I walking around the house all day thinking, Angie, you should be more organized. That's not helpful to me to just be sort of silently berating myself each time I see the messy pile, right? Like you just planted that seed of me thinking maybe I am organized. So now I could look at my messy desk and think, I have my own system, which would be much more helpful for my brain to be thinking than telling myself I need to get more organized or I should look like Marie Kondo. And so, and it is kind of recognizing, this is what I find more and more for myself and for my clients and people I work with. It's once we see what we're telling ourselves and how it's impacting us, that really does have so much meaning and effect in our life and we don't often pay attention to it right we're not always realizing the thoughts that are running through our mind mm-hmm. um, right we're not realizing the thoughts and we're not realizing the effect that those thoughts are having exactly. and angie you're such an advanced student because you do that brain dump every morning so part <laughs> of that part of that sort of idea of having routines also includes you know that process of caring for yourself and that process of knowing what you need. So, you know, in the mornings or, you know, throughout the day that you need that brain dump, I do the same exact thing because that clutter can also be within your mind. And if it doesn't leave your mind in some form or fashion, then it stays up there and it affects you all day. So what that brain dump does is it lets it go. And so it's, you've taken it out of your head and you've put it somewhere and whether or not you do something with each thought that's, that you're processing, that's up to, that's another step, right? Mm -hmm. But to get it out of your head so that you can process it at a later time or process it differently is important for us as well. So when you're establishing routines, it's important to look at how you're taking care of yourself and what you need and what kind of process do you need to put in place that sets up a routine that allows for that sort of thinking to go? Because we're so involved in, you know, using our phones and entertaining ourselves with technology and we're busy with our day-to-day with our kids or with our jobs or cooking, cleaning, whatever we're doing. And so it's important to understand and value the process of doing things like a brain dump on a sheet of paper, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I want to wrap up in our last five minutes here, but this has been so useful, Angie, and helpful. But I also want to touch on the mother-daughter connection, too. Um, That's really interesting to me because I have two two daughters and two sons. And with my daughters, they're with all four of my kids are completely different personalities, which is always so fascinating to me. And when they were younger, I you know, I had my first daughter and I thought, okay, this is how my kids are. And they're, they're well-behaved and they, you know, follow directions. And then I had my son and he was different. And then I had my 
third kid. And I thought, will they be like A or B, you know, which one are they? And then that she was just a completely different person herself and didn't. <laughs> and so I have one daughter, one daughter who's very neat. I would say she's organized. She likes her room. She likes cleaning. She likes sorting through things. She likes, you know, setting things up. And I have another daughter who's just could not have any less interest in sorting her room or organizing. That's just not where her head is at. And then I, as a mom, am always kind of comparing what, what should I teach them as far as how to keep their house together. And I think about it with my sons as well, but I think since I'm female, I'm just thinking that they're following my patterns more maybe than my sons are. So I, I don't know, can you speak a little bit about how the mother daughter connection plays into this? Well, the, I don't have sons. <laughs> and so it's hard for me to speak about specifically how sons would react or how that relationship is. And that's why I don't pretend to, but I do understand that the mother daughter relationship is um, even though I don't have that other side, is a unique relationship and the way that they're looking up to us and the way that we're floating around the world and the way that we're connecting with them. And of course, that same role between a daughter and a father and the daughter and, or in the son and the mother and father are also important as well. But the perspective could change a little bit in the way we're sort of teaching our daughters how to how to go about their day-to-day -day life in the real world as well, right? And with those intentions, we're looking at what kind of skills we want to give our girls, what kinds of emotional development are they going through that we can sort of strengthen. And so in looking at specifically what you had asked for about the, you know, you have one daughter who's messy, one daughter who's neat, it's the same concept as what we talked about with parents themselves as well. And that understanding that just because they're girls or just because they're boys doesn't dictate the kind of person that they're going to be uh -huh. based on their gender, um, only a, on their gender, but understanding that each person is an individual and take a look. And a lot of times, whatever the concern is, whatever the challenge is within parenting, it all goes back to communication. It all, all goes back to that sort of deep dive into understanding who you are, understanding what kind of person you are, understanding what kind of needs you have. And so our assumption is the messier child doesn't know where things are. But like we talked about earlier, you can have a messy desk but or messy looking desk, but it's working for you. So it's, un, it's important to understand if the system is working for you. Um, I have three girls and one daughter, my youngest is the one who has naturally and consistently been sort of neat and understands this sort of routines and structures and implements them completely on her own. Like before school, um, the day before school, she would routinely put her lunch bag on the counter mm. along with all the Tupperware she would need, a bottle, you know, her water bottle opened, ready to go. And that was no prompting for me. And I have another daughter who would forget all of the stuff at school. <laughs> and so, but you need to look at, so what do I need to help you? Because this is a life skill that we need to work on. This is the example I can set, but that example can only go so far. Let's mm -hmm. look at, do you need a to-do list? Do you need a checklist? Do you need a reminder notice? Do you need some kind of bell 
uh, an alarm on your phone that says the following things need to be brought home. What, a, what is it that you need? And so that connection is there to help them to understand what they need. And once you've built that connection, that means even if it's something seemingly simple, like mom, I'm forgetting my water bottle, I really need to do something differently. Because your bond is strong, they're comfortable. Whether it's asking about, mom helped me develop a system that helps me remember stuff, or it's mom, I have a boyfriend and I need relationship advice. Mm -hmm. You're not going to open up with that relationship advice, right? That's not going to be the first thing you talk about, but it starts with little simple things like that. And your child understands that you're there for them to help them develop as a person, as a human being. Wow. That's, uh, it's a really powerful connection to start thinking of it that way. And I think if, if we can recognize when we're young, what kind of systems we do naturally or which kind of categories we fall into or which patterns we work for us and don't work for us. Just knowing that about ourselves is useful instead of questioning, how come my sister always has, you know, her lunch organized and I'm not, I think sometimes we just, we, we stop thinking at that. It's just that instead of considering like, oh, she feels really good when she has systems in place. And if she knows that about herself now, that's going to help her in college and adulthood. And also I can feel really good about being sort of messy. And that's my system in place, which I'm just learning today, kind of. Um. And, but if I had just been able to recognize this is a system and it looks messy to other people, but this is how things work for me, or I like checklists or, you know, whatever kind of patterns work for us, if we could establish that. And it all goes back to that self-awareness, right? And then it does come in that relationship is there and you think, who can I talk to about this? My mom has some good understanding about herself and she helped me with the, with recognizing my patterns. And now I need relationship advice, or I want to talk about this. And it's, you've built that, that baseline connection there. So that does open that up. Um, all right. Fascinating. That was really uh, fun talking, Angie. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all your wisdom. Thanks for having me, Angie. Yeah, I'm so glad we did this. Uh, any closing thoughts or? Um, no, I just hope that um, any parents who are listening, particularly those in the foreign service, um, just to say that, you know, moving from post to post, from city to city in a house that you don't know, um, it can be hard at first. And implementing new systems, routines, or intentions is going to take time and to understand and allow yourself to have that time and allow each family member to take that time to really understand how things work, what challenges you have, and to be open and honest about it as you go about exploring yourselves within a new environment. Mm -hmm. It's true. We get a lot of opportunities to do that. <laughs> you have a lot <laughs> a of brand time. new self. <laughs> That's great. Well, Angie, thank thanks you, so Angie. much. Um, where can people find you if anyone listening wants to work closely with you or get more information? You could go to my website. It's probably the easiest. And then from there, there are social media links. So it's um, parentcoachangie.com. 
Okay, great. That's it. Yeah. Angie Cody. <laughs> Angie with an E. Two Angies here. I'm... All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Angie.